0: Welcome to a drink of wisdom, Nathan Drinkard. I'm Jay Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. We're an anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere in between. And if you can also find us in the a Drink of Wisdom uh, YouTube channel, drink uh, a little bit early uh, to start the show tonight. That's um, oh, it's good. That's good,
1: oh, man. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. That just means we have our act together better on Friday than we do on Tuesday. But nevertheless. Um, there's neither here nor there. We're glad we could get up in the lab early. I know we're trying to get in and do our thing and let the people know what it is on these streets. So just like any other, any other episode, another day, another dollar. Giving the streets what they need. We see what they don't. Absolutely say what they want. And set your dinner plates. It's a little early, but you can go ahead and just sit the plate there. The food will be ready sooner or later. It's time to eat. And last but not least, let's talk some sports baby jay what we got today we got
0: episode 50 we got bucks nets first arians and you know how they say there's no crime in baseball well we've got somebody with all the money looking like he needs some tissues we'll explain later but we start with the final four tomorrow night which will be held down in new orleans and we got the uh probably the most almost as blue blood as you can get with the Kansas Jayhawks taking on Villanova Wildcats in the first game, that's six oh nine, And then the first ever meeting in the NCAA tournament between Duke and North Carolina in Coach K's final NCAA tournament. Uh, so over to you, Drink. What are your thoughts on the matchups and what do you expect out of each game?
1: Well, um, I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that this is the most blue bloodest Final four, you can ask for um, if you did a, a road map, like you said, and I like what you said. If you want to go and replace Villanova with Kentucky, that's about the best you're going to get out of that mix. Um, outside of that, this is what we got. Man, here's the deal. Um, the, the thing about the Blue Bloods thing, and, and I like that, but I think what I like that's more current to what we're seeing right now with these four teams is probably the coaching. Um, the recruiting. Um, uh, th- these are teams that even Jay Wright um, with Villanova, you would think just where Villanova is located, even though it's located in um, Philadelphia, it's still you know, it's 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 getting this way to be a blue blood, like you said. If you like, depending on where you stop the goal line, it's it's definitely a blue blood. But when you're talking about the tiers of coaches, I, I you know, I think. Coach probably the the top, top dog in this group. Um, I would say Bill Self coming in too. Um, probably, you know, Jay Wright. I think Bill Self and Jay Wright is probably right there. And then um, I think his name is Mark Hubert, if I'm not mistaken, the coach for North Carolina probably be the fourth coach out of the four. Um but he's talking about Hubert Davis. Hubert. There we go, there we go. Hubert Davis. Um so Oh, uh, he's the fourth coach out of, out of the four. So th- I, I like looking at that. Um, and then when you're looking at the, the players themselves, um, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to jack up these names. Some of these guys, they're good players, but Lord, I, I don't know where these names come from. I know the the kid from Duke, I can't even say his B, B, He like He's supposed to be like the first or second pick of the draft. I can't even Are say Are you it. talking about uh,
0: Pueblo Benchero, I believe?
1: There we go. Yeah, sounds good. What, what, what language was that? Was that English? What was that? What was that yeah. that, that um, they just rolled off the tongue, folks. Um, but um, players like him, um, you know, he, how can I put this? I think since the COVID, right, it's been a, a premium on these young players coming into the, you know, NCAA. I think a lot, a lot, a lot of players have skipped college basketball and went to the G League. Now, the reason I'm bringing that up is because this right here is, would be the reason why players would go to these top-notch schools, right? We know the NCAA tournament it po- is polarizing. It gives, to your point or what the point you always make about Ja Morant, it gives these players exposure like no other. As far as this is probably the best exposure you're going to get until you get to the NBA. G League is cool, but people can't tell you what channel the G League is on. So let's just go ahead and that's cool. You get a little paycheck. But when you're talking about exposure, this is the best you're going to get. This is the cream of the crop. And I say that because we need a Final Four like that If for for the college basketball people. If you want top-notch high school kids to come back and start playing college basketball instead of, Skipping college and going to the G League because they want to start their professional careers earlier. You you need a Final Four like this. I'm sorry, St. Peter's. If they was here, hell of a story, but I don't think that really helped that narrative. And I think that narrative is what you would like to approach when you're in this um, stage of, of the tournament. Um, so I like that. Now, Jay, I'm going ahead and cut to the nitty gritty. Because I ain't got time to be um, fluffing this up. I think North Carolina has by far, by far shown that they're the most, let's say, consistent team. I mean, I guess your definition of best is up to the individual person, to each their own. But I think North Carolina has been by far the most consistent. Um, every game this tournament, they came out the gate smoking. The the final result might not show that we seen that with UCLA. We seen that with Baylor for obvious reasons. But when you work when you watch North Carolina in the first half of most of their tournament games, they they look enough, the, it's, it's like levels, and they look in levels above their competition. Even with the St. Peter's Peacocks, right? I think we talked about like how when that that team wasn't just a team that was winning with last minute field, uh, last minute you know jumpers or you know ball bounced around the rim. They won one. You know they was actually being, beating beaten teams. They was actually the better team. They got against North Carolina. North Carolina said, "Oh look, it's levels to this," and North Carolina proceeded to do what, what it is that they do um, beat them tall So long story short, man. As much as I like all four of these teams. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna waste the, the the space to to like advertise. I, I I just think North Carolina. I think this is North Carolina's chance to you know their their, their championship to lose. Um, I, I like Kansas. I like Villanova. I think I do think Villanova would beat Kansas. I just it's something about Jay Wright at this moment, like the this exact final four moment. Where I look at him and I feel confidence, I feel um, enthusiasm, I feel preparation. Not saying Kansas don't, but Bill Self get a little loosey goosey. We didn't had a couple of, you know, situations that don't necessarily got to do with this. But I don't think he run a tight as tight ship as um, Villanova did. But listen, he won his region, so that's that. But I think it'll be Villanova and North Carolina going into the championship game on Monday, and then I think. Um North Carolina should be the team um holding up the championship trophy. But that is why we play the games to see the final results. So Jay, as far as that go, I just want to get straight to the nitty-gritty and say thank North Carolina gonna be our uh 2022 men's basketball national championship champions. Yeah, I just I
0: just I just I do have to, you know, take accountability and be transparent with the people. I had I had uh Tennessee and Purdue in the national championship game. So uh yeah, yeah, big miss, big miss, wide left on the field goal attempt there. Uh, I got to, you know, I don't think, man, I really think, and it's the only way you could get a better, a perhaps better ending to this tournament is if somehow you had Duke and North Carolina meet in the championship game. That would just, that would be the only way you could get a uh, a better conclusion, I think. Okay. That being said, we got we got quite a consolation prize that we have Duke and North Carolina in the Final Four, the first time they've met in the tournament and it's in the Final Four uh, to Kansas and Villanova. Before I go back over there, um, I think the the injury to one of Villanova's key players that um, I think that could be a I think that's going to be a little bit of a factor in that game. Uh, Villanova had a little bit a little bit of trouble scoring against Houston. Houston is one of the you know better defensive teams in the country. But um, I think without that, uh, that young man out there due to that Achilles injury, that's going to hamper them a little bit offensively. And uh, I think w- what we saw with Kansas in that second half, just the way they, they – ha- I think they have that extra level, that next, that next gear that they can shift to. Um, and that's what, the- that's what we saw in that second half against Miami when they outscored on, I believe it was 47-15. Okay. They've got an All-American and uh, O'Shea Jabi, I believe that's uh, how you say his name. Um, so I, I, I think Kansas is very formidable. I think they'll wind up uh, beating Villanova, uh, but it, uh, it is true about what you said about Jay Wright. I think I, I'd probably take Jay Wright just to give him a slight edge over Bill Self, but at the same time, I do want to I do want to give Bill Self some credit because we were I was most certainly highly critical of him after the um, you know old Silvio came out there looked right. like he was going WWE, WWE. somebody with that chair. Yeah, and um, yeah, I was I was basically on the airwaves talking about what what kind of program is Bill Self running? Like, what is this? And you also had you know the NCAA tournament, uh, or the NCAA violations, and just all that stuff going on. And uh, haven't heard too much lately about uh, Kansas and those headlines. It's been, the, the Kansas stuff was <laughs> less miles, but um, that's back to LSU. But anyway, um, I think Bill Self deserves credit for getting this for tightening up this ship. And uh, he's a he is he's a champion level coach, and he's back in prime position. I think I definitely think Kansas can win it all. Right. I do think they'll get to the championship game, uh, but to Duke and Carolina, man, I and I, was, and I, I don't know if uh, this was how they planned it or if they had an option to, to you know to flex you know the Carolina game to the later game. But I think they, I think this is absolutely the right move. I think Duke and North Carolina in the prime time, the second game. Is the way to go because Kansas Villanova is the is the appetizer. I'm sorry, the main course is Duke Carolina. There, there can be no question. This and in terms of, I always like to talk about rivalry games in in uh, in in, in sport. Uh, Pittsburgh and Baltimore in the NFL, uh, Alabama Georgia in college football, Ohio State Michigan, um, and then you have uh, Yankees Red Sox. And but I, I really I really think. There there is a rare time when Duke, North Carolina in men's college basketball does not deliver. I really think this is the, I think this is the best rivalry in sports, period. And and to have this in an NCAA tournament, I am, I I am, could not be looking forward more um, to an NCAA uh, national semi, to a national semifinal. And it's, it's gonna, I think it's gonna be great. And Coach K's final season, um, the way the way the regular season ended when North Carolina beat Duke on uh, their home floor, um, it, you know how does Duke respond to that? And I do want to I do want to give those those young guys at Duke some credit. I didn't think they were all that impressive when I saw that in the, in the regular season, as far as you know, they were running away with the ACC in the regular season. But the ACC we talked about, they were kind of. Not not as dominant as they've been recently. They only got five teams in the tournament. Only one, only Duke was the only team above the eight line. Uh, but you look at how they've played, and we both had them out in the first weekend, I believe. Absolutely. And yes. I, I think they're, and I think there was, you, you talk about um, Coach K in his final season. I think that adds a little bit of pressure to the players because you don't want to be the team that flops around and gets, you know, uh, Knocked out of the tournament early in your coach's final year, right? And uh, I think they've uh, I think they responded well, especially coming off some adversity. We talk about the last game against Carolina in the regular season, right. losing to Virginia Tech in the ACC title game. I think they responded well, but this is going this is going to be an ultimate challenge. Now, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how the game starts. You know, who is able to kind of, you know, like, who kind of comes out with the the higher level of intensity. I think both teams got to be, they got to be psyched for this game. So if the intensity is high on both sides, you know, who's able to harness their intensity better and in a more effective way. And uh, cause you know, sometimes having that high, de- high degree of intensity could lead some 30, to mistakes. You get 30, too, 30, you get too hype yeah. mm-hmm. and that can be troublesome. So, yeah. you know, is Hubert Davis able to keep his guys calm and coach K the same way. And then actually to the actual action on the floor, you know, we've been talking about Carolina lately, you know, anybody on any given night in Atlanta, you know, in the start line, probably besides leaky black it can, can go for 30, you know, Brady Manning, um, the stretch four. you know, what he's able to do for, uh, from behind the, the arc, Baycott, the big fella on the block and just dominating, dominating the glass. Um, and then Caleb love r- really good score from the outside. And then RJ Davis, Um, sets everything up and he's been his scoring in the tournament has impressed me. And then for Duke, the other way, uh, Banchero, you know, he's obviously, he's probably, he's probably the most skilled player in this game. He can do He can do a little bit of everything. Uh, I think the, the big, the probably the biggest matchup I'd be looking to is, you know, can Mark Williams um, really bother and hamper Armando Baycott? He's got, I think he's got a little bit of a size advantage, but um, Baycott's highly skilled, great footwork you know, typical dominant post player that North Carolina's had in recent times. And then, you know, what do you get uh, from the perimeter guys of Duke? You know, it's it's it typically is a different guy every game. Wendell Moore, I think he's quite a bit underrated. He makes a lot of key plays for him. But uh, Jeremy Roach, what do you get from him? He's made a lot of clutch plays for him. And then the young, more of the young guys, uh, A.J. Griffin, uh, Trevor kills you know, one one thing about this game, both they both coaches don't play a lot. They don't ask a lot of their bench. So um, you know it's going to be incumbent upon guys to defend without fouling and use their fouls smartly. Uh, I think in the end, and I know this is, and I was I was talking to a couple of fellows today. They asked me, happened to ask me in passing, and I, I don't think they are aware of this program that we have here. But um, they probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have looked at me sideways when they said when I told them I thought North Carolina was going to win this game because they are. You know, the, you know, there's certain people out here that are casual. They're so like, oh, yeah, man, Coach K's last game, though. I can't go against them. Well, I, I'm sorry to say Coach K is not playing. He's going to be coaching, as usual. So I'm going to go with Baycott. I'm going to go with Manic, Caleb Love, and company. Um, I think North Carolina wins the game. I think they're playing the best basketball of any team in this tournament. That's why they're here. And I think they get it done. And I think they, I think they beat Kansas, even though I think Kansas, beating Kansas is going to be a taller order. I think Kansas, is, um, Kansas probably has the most, most talent, I'd say. Uh, but there's it, something about this North Carolina team, you know, since they, they had a tough start in the regular season. But uh, look, Hubert Davis has turned this thing around. And not only that, we talk about the pressure that these Duke players feel that might be feeling in this tournament. Um, it's not easy following the legend. That's what Roy Williams is, and especially, you know, starting slow like Hubert Davis did. Uh, he got it turned around, and uh, he's, done a, he's done a heck of a job and deserves all the credit of, in the world. And, def- and also, playing from an eight seed, you don't see, you, you don't see many eight, eight seeds make it this far. Right. Um, you just don't. Uh, but North Carolina, playing the, they're playing the best ball of anybody in the tournament. And I I think they'll be uh, your uh, national championship, uh, national
1: champion on Monday night. All right, so heading over to the NBA. Last night we had an absolute thriller, baby. The Brooklyn Nets win, the the Brooklyn Nets versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, The Bucks took home the victory, 120 to 119 in overtime. Giannis had, uh, he dropped 44 points. He had 14 rebounds, six assists. Um, Oh, yeah, and if you want to know those free throw stats, oh, yeah, he went 15 from 19, which was pretty incredible, I think. At one point of the game, he was 10 for 10. Um, One for for four from the three-point line. Um, Chris Middleton, his running mate, yeah, you probably heard. Um, It was a nice little phantom call there that got him taken on out of there. Uh, got him injected. So, and when you look at his stats, just know he had a short night. Um, and then for the Brooklyn Nets, you know, led by who other, um, Kevin Durant, he had 26 points, uh, three from six from the three point line, three for three from the free throw line, seven rebounds and 11 assists. Uh, now he did, you know, get a, get a good whopping hand from his supporting cast, uh, Kyrie Irving, 25 points, um he four for nine four for nine from the three-point line uh three rebounds five assists oh he also had two steals and then our you know our lovable um attachment for the brooklyn nets oh bruce brown man bruce brown like I, hey you gotta show this guy some respect he came out of nowhere and he he's been delightful uh 23 points three for five from the three-point line four for four from the free free throw line Gave them five rebounds and three assists and three blocks. So, Jay, with that said, um, this game had that that grittiness, that feel from the second round of the playoffs last year. And that that was a thrilling, you know, we was a couple of inches away from who knows what. Um, a thrilling series last year in the second round of the playoffs. Um, I equated this game to an earlier game in the season when uh Phoenix, when they was full strength, when they played. Golden State, you know, Golden State probably was still minus Clay Thompson and Wiseman at the time, but they had everybody else. That game was pretty good. It had a playoff atmosphere. Um, but I got a feeling you you like this game a little better. You you tell us something. Yeah, I haven't um
0: I haven't watched a ton of NBA uh, of NBA action this season. We we covered it somewhat uh, sporadically, but um you know out of the games I have watched, this was this was no question the best game I've seen. If you if you got games out there that you think were better than this, uh, please let me know because I needed to go into archives and see them because see the you don't. Yeah, there aren't. Th- this did not feel like a a regular season game. The way both teams were playing and getting after it, particularly on the defensive end, I thought both teams were giving great energy and effort on the defensive side. Uh, and then you saw several occasions where, it, I mean, the 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 effort and both and guys from both sides diving on the floor for loose balls. It, it was it was uncommon effort uh, that you. It really felt like this game meant something more than just another you know Thursday night NBA on TNT game. Right. And um, I I was I was highly entertained and mesmerized. Of course, it helps when you have uh, you know two of the I'd say top three players in the game and Giannis and Kevin Durant. And then, uh, you know, the supporting cast. And this was relatively the teams were, you know, full strength. That's been my complaint, you know, especially this year. I can't every time we plan to watch a game, you turn it on and like, you know, oh, well, there's a top there's a top 10, top 15 dude at the game. Well, this is just. And then at half the time, it'll be multiple guys that are sitting out. Right. Um, fortunately, the one uh, the one significant no-show is something we've come to expect, and that would be one Ben Simmons, and who cares at this point? We'll see you when we see you. But I do think um, – but it, it mm. felt like it meant something. it felt like it meant something to both teams. Uh, I think I understand completely. If you're in the position of the Brooklyn Nets and you're in the AC right now, you know you're fighting for position. You don't want to. I mean, they're probably going to be seven or eight, uh, but you don't want to fall down to nine and ten because they're tied with uh, Charlotte and Atlanta right now. So every game's crucial, right. and you don't want to be in a situation where you have to win. You have to win two. Uh, win a win a go home game to even get into the playoffs. Right. And I do have you know another um, you know upfront thing is, you know, I, I, I love Reggie Miller and uh, Kevin Hall on the broadcast. I think they're a solid, solid combination of broadcasters. And uh, But I got to disagree with what Reggie Miller was saying about, you know, man, this is what I want to see in the first round of the playoffs. I'm like, no, 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 stop. This is not what – I don't want to see this in the first round. These two teams are too good to have one of these teams go home in the first round. So I, I really hope that uh, – <laughs> I really hope this ain't a 1-8. I hope this ain't a 2-7 because uh, these, te- these teams had a great, great battle in the Eastern Conference semis last year. We wow. don't need to downgrade this to the first round. This wow. needs to be at minimum the semifinals. And this is what we saw last night. That, that's a snapshot of a an epic Eastern Conference finals.
1: Wow. And I,
0: I really believe that. Now, to, to the game itself, I really – and it, there, was, there was a point in this game where I was like, oh, my Lord, now the refs had to come in here and interject because this was no – and it was, I, I st- by the end of the night after overtime and all that, but you look at when Chris Middleton got thrown out of the game because they called that – Bruce Brown, he has a breakaway. He looked back. He see Chris Middleton. He goes up. Middleton I I believe without a shadow no doubt in my mind he goes for the ball he missed he ends up getting him on the arm it's a hard foul they called a common foul on the floor they ain't called nothing outrageous and then they go to replay and they hit him with a flagrant two if you watch Middleton right after that play he's going over to Bruce Brown immediately to see if he's good I don't think Middleton does not have a reputation at all of being that type of dude. I don't think he's got a dirty bone in his body. Uh, I don't think Grayson Allen is transmitted anything into him to, to that degree. I don't think that's what we're dealing with. And then also, if you, ha- if you can read lips even a little bit, he said, I was right after they zoomed in, he said, I was going for the ball. So I really, I, I was really disappointed with the, with the replay crew or, the, or whoever like made that decision. To throw Chris Middleton out of the game. If that had been a playoff game and they did that and it cost Milwaukee a game, it would have been an absolute travesty. I understand if the NBA, because it's just the day and age of, we, of how we play. Everybody wants to cry about everything. The league is soft. We know it is. I, I wouldn't have been surprised and I wouldn't have been necessarily you know, offended if they'd have called it a flagrant one. And I think Reggie Miller said much the same thing. Reggie Miller thought it was a good, hard foul. That's a playoff foul. Right. You take two shots and you go, because the alternative is, I'll oh, just let the guy score. No, we're not doing that. Right. But to throw him out the game, I thought it was excessive and I thought it was a disservice to that game. And, but I got to say, I mean, Brooklyn from there, they end up having what a nine point lead late. I think it was 108.99. And then I think Giannis misses two free throws. But then Wes Matthews gets a, gets a put back off the free throw miss, and it kind of unraveled for Brooklyn from there. And then, uh, you know, Giannis, this guy's doing everything, including his one three-point bucket was a step-back three to tie the game with 18 seconds left. And then to close regulation, you have KD doing what he does, Wes Matthews, they have Wes on him trying to guard him. But then you see the double late, and it's Giannis that ends up contesting And KD misses, I, you know, I mean, this guy, to me, Giannis, he's he's the best thing smoking right now. I'm seeing a lot of headlines to say what he's been doing lately. It's putting back in the MVP conversation. They just beat Philadelphia where he had, I think, 40 and 14, 44 and 14 last night. Um, he's He's playing just out of his mind right now. And it's just his motor, his intensity and his willingness and you see, this is where all that, um, you know, what you do in the offseason matters. Right. Because right. he continues to find ways to get better and better and better. And you're seeing it 10 for 10, starting off on a free throw line. Uh, he did look a little bit, you know, flimsy late. I think he missed three out of his next seven, but he ends up hitting two free throws to win the game. Uh, you know, I think KD again uh, to end um, overtime missed again, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But the other part of it is um, Milwaukee's defense late and in overtime, they picked up the intensity. There's no question to even another level that I didn't even think we could see. And um, look, they made Kate look, Katie and Kyrie. They didn't play. I mean, they weren't awful, but I really think they were bothered. They were bothered by the, by Milwaukee's physicality. And that, that is my, that was really my main takeaway of this game. Milwaukee is a physically superior team to Brooklyn. Uh, when you look at when you look at Giannis and you look at Drew Holiday and you look at them go to the rim, they are absolute bullies. And I'm saying KD, I god bless him for trying to stand in there and like do everything he can against Giannis, it, <laughs> but it is not a fair fight when that guy's coming downhill and KD's just he's just not he doesn't have the girth. He absolutely doesn't. So The only hope for Brooklyn in that regard to slow him down, to slow KD down is Ben Simmons. And, uh, you know, if it's a first round matchup and that's the first thing Ben Simmons sees, he might need another mental health break after that. I'm sorry, but that might be where we are. I I really, I I truly believe that Milwaukee's physicality really, really bothered uh, Brooklyn. And I think, when you also look at the two guys I'm looking at for kind of – look, Giannis is going to be Giannis. That's what it is. Uh, Middleton and Holiday, you said it, especially Middleton. And I'm not – he doesn't get a pass for getting a, uh, thrown out the game because he was lackluster. 16 points, 4 for 12, not very good. I mean, this middletons he comes and goes. He, he's got a little bit of a streakiness to him. Right. Uh, Holiday was not very good either shooting the basketball. But, man, he was playing the passing lanes uh, – Effectively to the tune of six steals. And, um, you know, he's almost Giannis Light, you know, because he just, I mean, it, there's no, I don't know if there's a guard out there, a legitimate guard, who can stop him from getting to the basket because backing him down off the dribble, he, he's just too strong. And um, that, that was a huge factor. And, but the thing about it that if you're Brooklyn, even though you have Ben Simmons in reserves, um, Brooklyn was plus 18 from the three point line and they had they had six fewer turnovers. That's the one thing. Milwaukee Milwaukee was careless with the ball. 17 assists, 22 turnovers. Brooklyn 31 and 16. So both teams have some things that they can really feel good about and both teams obviously some things they need to work on. But to me, the biggest part, the biggest part of the game is that Milwaukee's just their their physicality really, really bothered them. And in a seven-game series, if, if we are to see another uh, a rematch of the East Conference semis, that, that physicality, I think it could wear on these guys uh, over the course of a long series. And, um, you know, it's uh, – Br- Brooklyn, Brooklyn should be pretty concerned because that's a game it looked like they, they, they needed.
1: Um, They definitely need it. But, I mean, listen – when we're talking about Brooklyn at this point, Brooklyn need all these games. When you out here flopping around and you tie with Atlanta, and Atlanta ain't been nothing to look at this year. And and um, what was the other team? Was it the Hornets? Charlotte, yep. Yeah. Like, you got KD and Kyrie. What do they have? You know what I'm saying? Like, let's keep it. Trae Young, cool, got it, doing his thing. But – those two teams ain't been that assigned this year. So Brooklyn needs everyone they can get. But to you to what you said, I think after listening to some of the points you made, I think another thing I forgot to um like highlight when we're talking about the role players for for the Milwaukee Bucks. Listen, we didn't get our guy, Bobby Portis wasn't too hot last night. Um no. Brooke Lopez wasn't too hot last night. So when you, when you compound that with Chris Middleton's performance, Drew Holiday performance, I would say Drew Holiday performance from an offensive standpoint. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he seemed like he, he was a beast on the defense. Um, you know, Pat Connery came in, he gave you some, some pretty, you know, decent minutes or whatnot. Um, but for the most part, by and large, you're looking at Giannis carrying the load pretty much. And mm-hmm. the problem is with that is Let's not make this a thing when you get into the postseason, um, because when teams, once again, you get in those seven game series. This team should know this by now. They champions, so they know how that seven game series can, you know, tighten up. So hopefully, you know, Giannis get more support from his counterparts in the future. Now to the Nets, what I liked about the Nets last night, even though they lost, was they looked a little more evenly spread out. And I think to your point, right? Oh, if they was a tad bit tougher, if they had a I don't know, PJ Tucker, um, uh, maybe Serge Ibaka, um, just somebody that can muck it up a little bit, man. You can even have a Dwight Howard. I don't know, just somebody that can like make Giannis think about. Okay, if he go up for this board, it might be a little tougher. If he make this move, it might because, like you said, as I, I I love I love Durant. I love Matter of fact, I love what Drummond and gave what Andre Drummond and gave the Nets to this point. The problem is, I know snowmans that can move around Andre Drummond right now. So, when when you when you stuck in the mud like that, it's like that's not going to work against Giannis. I mean, does he have does he has the size to bother him? Yes, but he lacks the everything else. I guess like he's Giannis is just. He's just going to go around him, order his meal, and then dunk on him. That's, the, that's what he's going to do. Um, and then you, when you put in Nick Claxton, Nick Claxton can move, but come on, man. That, that, he need to be on double racks. You know what I'm saying? Like, he he got – he's just too small. Like, he out here looking like my iPad Pro, nice and skinny. You know, that's not going to get it done against Giannis either. So I'm – I don't know what they do. They they figure out some type of combination, but I do agree with you. They got to get tougher. But here's the deal, Jay. I, if I'm Brooklyn, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, is it if we if we go in the play-in tournament and we do have to win two games, who's gonna stop us from winning two games? That's in the play-in tournament. Now the problem is, is if there's are seven or eight, and then like you said. They have to play, you know, either Philly or, or Milwaukee. We don't want to see that in the first round. I'm I'm fully in agreement with that. But the only way we don't see that in the first round is Brooklyn might need to go undefeated or something from here on out. We only got two weeks left. Two weeks. And then regular season is done. is gonna need to make a move and make a move soon. Or we will see one of those games. They will either be playing Miami. Milwaukee or uh, Philadelphia in the first round. That's just what it is. Um, I don't think we're gonna lose any sleep with a, a Miami and Brooklyn first round. But like I'm with you. I don't want to see Milwaukee and Brooklyn in the first round. Like that's pre entertainment that you're putting on as a prelim. But Another thing I want to give credit to both of these guys. You you and you mentioned it. These are two of the top three players in the league. Usually we, we got LeBron and in, in, in number three. Um the thing the thing about these two teams is they're fighting for playoff spots where LeBron and the Lakers are kind of just like, hey, mm, we off? All right, cool. Yeah, I'm calling in them sick. Well, you off anyway. That's kind of their attitude. We're like, yeah, whatever. Um and so you kind of discount LeBron, you know, LeBron leading the league and scoring. It's just like we're not, we're not saying LeBron shouldn't be in this conversation, but he shouldn't be in this conversation because we're talking playoffs. Playoffs? We're talking playoffs. Um these two guys, right? The thing, the thing about both of them is when I look at them, for some reason I hear leadership. You know, KD used to get a bad rap about his lack of leadership. And he probably wasn't that much of a leader, but I think he learned throughout his time in the NBA that leadership is important. Setting an example is important. Yeah, I can be good, but how do I make my other players good? And that might be something he learned from the likes of LeBron and other good players where he's like, okay, he knows how to make other players good. So he can make, he can get um, Timothy Moskov a max contract. Ain't done anything since that contract, but that's what LeBron do. He can make ordinary players look so good that they're getting paid money they shouldn't be getting. So I think Durant, at some time, he took that in, and he know once he left Golden State, because he was never going to get the credit that he wanted from Golden State. OKC was his team. Left OKC, went to Golden State. Golden State is a stealth team. It is what it is. He was the better player, but it was stealth team. Now, you leave Golden State, built-in championships. You left good foundation, good management, all that. Now you go to Brooklyn, and then you team up with one of the most inconsistent guys to wear an NBA jersey in Kyrie Irving. And we seen what happened in the beginning. But now, with the COVID saga being over, now Kyrie allowed to play home games. He should be more available. I, I, my hat's got to go off to Kevin Durant once he got back from his injury. He kept this ship afloat because, listen, Brooklyn could very well be out here looking like the Lakers right now. They could very well be, and they would have every excuse. If we saying it's all right that LeBron don't got AD and they're not, they're, they're not looking hot and it's not LeBron's fault. You know, if, if AD was healthy, the Lakers would be better. Then what in the hell do we supposed to say to Kevin Durant? Cuz he didn't he didn't dealt with a straight S show over there. It's been a straight clown show. The man got to deal with Kyrie being a part-time employee. Then he got to he got to deal with James Harden not don't, he don't even want to be on the team. He asked for trades public. Right? Then he got to deal with the fact that they the the organization make a trade and the best piece of that trade comes to their team and he can't play because he's having issues, whether that's mental, whether that's physical with his back, et cetera, et cetera. And through all of that, Durant is out here averaging like 45 minutes a game, pretty much, trying to wheel his team back in a prominent position. I think since he's been back from injury, he's been the most consistent part of their their um revival I called it even though they're still towards the bottom but that's what happens when you dig yourself a hole you gotta eventually dig your way back up um but I, I think he he's been a consistent piece like the glue with Kyrie going back and forth Bruce Brown been out here looking like man I can't I just can't say no good words about Bruce brown I think he's really came and made the most of his opportunity. You got Seth Curry coming over here. Now he's playing with a, a player with the level of Durant. So, and then level of Kyrie. So he gets to, you know, he, he's doing what he gets to do, throwing those threes up. He's doing his thing. And then, like I said, Nick's classing, Andre Drama, et cetera, et cetera. I just had to say, you know, shots out to Kevin Durant and his leadership. And I think he don't get enough credit for keeping this team on 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 track to at least make the playoffs, at least make the um, play in tournament. And I think that's underrated because a lot of people talked about his leadership early in his career and I think it's coming full circle right now. Um, with that said, and then and then Giannis. I want to talk about Giannis for a sec. Ben If Ben Simmons was on the bench for this game, he needed to look at Giannis and say Yo, I need his contact information because that I'm I'm not I'm not even trying to like dig at being like that. I'm being for real though, because if he's struggling to figure out how to better his game from a uh, a free throw perspective or mid range perspective or three point perspective, he needs to talk to Giannis. Because the the thing is is. Giannis got beat up last offseason for all three of those things. Giannis also is not built to have a superior dominant game from it, any three of those levels, being Simmons is. Giannis is supposed to kind of struggle from the free throw line. We know dudes that seven foot is, is, in, is in the history books, they struggle from the free throw line. Okay, Giannis went to the lab and fixed on that. We know Giannis ain't – ever been a superior three point shooter and I'm not saying he is, he's one now, but what I will say is you can tell he's been working on it because he'll take one he just had and
0: and he's not afraid that could, that much we can say for sure he's not afraid of it
1: exactly and then we seen what he did with with all the the chips on the table what did he do last night so mm-hmm. if I'm being Simmons, I gotta see that and be like. How in the hell can Giannis do this? We can't even say his last name. He's seven foot. And here I am, the prototype of at least a probably shooting guard, small forward. And I can't can't do none of that? Oh, I can play good defense, so can Giannis. But, (laughs) yo, Ben, like, I hope Ben Simmons soaks some of that up when he see a player like Giannis. I know not every player going to match what he went through in Philly, but let me tell you what Giannis didn't do. He didn't quit. He didn't say, oh, my God, I want to be out of here. You guys turned your back on me. He went to the lab, man. He got better every year. And that's the way you do it, man. I, I, you know what I'm saying? Shouts out to Giannis, man. I think, God, I must, God, Giannis might be the best player. Yeah, I said it. I said it. Giannis might be the best player in, in the world right now. No, hey, Yeah, hey hate to be a prisoner of the moment
0: but uh that that is what it feels like i completely agree
1: um you know no no disrespect to no disrespect to to kevin durant you know respect everything he do He assassin one of the best offensive players in nba history but like you said when you put everything into it when you know you're going to get 10 to 12 rebounds when you know you're going to get a you know uh blocks assists like at this point, the only thing you can say he can't do is consistently shoot threes. That, yeah, yeah. That's the only thing you can say he cannot consistently do is shoot threes. He just showed you he can make free throws. He showed you he can make um, mid-range shots. He just, You already know in a restricted circle what time it is. You know what it is in the paint. I ain't even got to say that. And he showed you what he do on the defense. He can change the game on both ends of the court. Sorry, I don't know if the rent changing the game on both ends of the court, but I know when you're talking offensively, he is that guy. So with that said, man, like, listen, I think, like you said, this is a prelude. I hope this is not a first-round matchup, but if it is, <laughs> I'm here for it. But damn good game last night, very entertaining, and we'll see what the last two weeks of the season got for us. We now move over to the NFL and we
0: have um, we have a a retirement of sorts to tell you about. Bruce Arians of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers has uh, retired from the coaching ranks, but he will be uh, moving up um, to the front office to uh, keep on keeping on up there. And due to that, you have one of my uh, one of the guys I've been um, singing the praises of lately. Todd Bowles is back in the head coaching ranks um you know the uh had a what a four-year run with the New York Jets I believe he was 24 and 40 but who, who who wins these days with the Jets how about no one um so you had that going on but Todd Bowles after uh joining uh Bruce Arians in Tampa Bay we know the job he did against Patrick Mahomes in that Super Bowl and uh, uh not probably not quite as good a year with the Bucks defense last year due to probably some injuries thrown in there but uh Definitely one of the most more respected defensive minds and he gets another opportunity. Uh, Drink, so there's three levels to this. We got Bruce Arians moving on. Uh
1: Not
0: only that, not only the retirement from coaching, we got the movement to the front office and now we have Todd Bowles. Um, What do you make of it?
1: Well, let's go ahead and address the elephant in the room. Um, Yes, Tampa Bay has met all requirements with the updated running rule. Um, And to be honest, I think (laughs) I think they was gonna meet the requirement regardless. I think once they made this decision, it was gonna either be Ty Bowles or Byron Leftwich. It was gonna be one or two. It just was a matter of what, how did they see the future going and what they what did Tampa Bay want from the future? Clearly, everybody was on board with this because Bruce Aaron's moving to the front office. If they weren't on board, I'm pretty sure Bruce Aaron would be going to play on the golf course or something somewhere. They're bringing them to the front office, which means this has been a discussion amongst management and, you know, the coaches or whatnot for, for a little bit. They just had to find out how to roll this package out while all trying to hold in the fact that Tom Brady coming back, et cetera, et cetera. Um, listen, Jay, I, I said this like weeks ago, it, it, probably before um, Tom Brady decided to let us know that he was unretiring. I, I was I was wondering why the hell Bruce Arians was still on the roster. Why Why was he still the head coach? I got it, Super Bowl winning coach, but this this old man was starting to trip me to hell out. Um, he just does things, and I'm like, how is this reasonable? Slapping players on the helmet while the game's still going on, like he out here pulling Antonio. Like this whole back and I don't even know if it's true or not, but the fact that he's in this story is crazy to me because I just don't think a lot of head coaches would be in some back and forth with a player while the game is going on and then like he told me to take my stuff off and leave so I did and Bruce Aaron's like I mean I told him if he wasn't going to play then he needs to leave so he left like I just mm. it just sounds kind of funny for a coach so I just thought this old man kind of out of his depth, Um, it might be time for him to move on and he did, and thank you for that, Brucey Bruce. Um, but I don't, I don't know what they got him doing in the front office. Maybe it's something similar to what Tom Coughlin was doing, like one of those those gentlemen jobs up there, where being old kind of beneficial. Um, so I think we got that. But now that's the end of the Bruce Aaron. <coughs> that's the the end of the Bruce Aaron's um, tenure. Now we're bringing in Ty Bowles. Ty Bowles, um, like you you said it, um, is is this Ty Bowles second or third time?
0: I'm pretty. I think this is really his second head coaching job. I think he was an interim for the Dolphins for one year, but uh, I don't think. I don't I really think we're counting that.
1: Okay, so Ty Bowles get to come back in, and then what I like about all this is you didn't have to. It's almost similar to what the Saints did. You didn't have to, like, do this mega coaching search and go and, you know, roll out the red carpet. It was just kind of like – it reminds me of my, like, workspace almost. Like, in my workspace, like, when people start moving around, they always try to hire within because it's just so much easier to retain people that know what's going on. I like how they did this. If you actually pay attention to how the Buccaneers offseason went – they signed some people, but it wasn't nothing crazy. All the most important pieces, I think, what I consider important, they took care of the Tom Brady, the Leonard Fournette, Bruce Arians, Todd Bowles, Byron which went to go interview for the Jaguars. Like, they figured that out, and then they brought it all back. So I think you have to give credit to that GM for, for Tampa Bay. I think he did a good job. The owner for allowing all this to go and not letting it go off the rails like some teams probably would have let it go. And now you got to look. Listen, with with all this in play, we've seen what happened with Green Bay this offseason thus far. Tampa Bay was a team we kind of had question marks about, but um, I I think they more of a title contender than Green Bay is at this point. So, I mean... Listen, I know we love us some Aaron Rodgers, but um, <laughs> I'd like to see what he's going to be throwing to before I, Ooh, I put yes. them back in the mix. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be real. I mean, I'd like to see what he's throwing to. At least I know Tom Brady still got Godwin, Evans. They finally let O.J. Howard go, but Brady, I, I would assume Grunk is going to come back. You still got – um you know, a couple of other guys. And then they signed. Who's the new guy they signed for the Bucks. I had him on. The what, team. Uh, oh, uh, are you talking about Russell Gage? Russell Gage. There we go. I had him on Tim. I know we, we brought him up in the last show. But then they signed Russell Gage, which is a nice, you know, third option. Very good third option, actually. Um,
0: won't, uh, probably, won't, probably won't leave the game in the middle of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think you're going to have a back and forth with the head coach with him. And I, I definitely don't see him doing jumping jacks in the end zone while the game going on. That's just me. I might be out of my depth, but I don't think we see it any of that. So with that said, man, like, listen, I I can't, I can't, like, you know, express how, like, impressed I am with how Tampa Bay handled all this, Right. It, it, it could have been messy. It could have been sloppy. It could have been this, that, and third. The Rooney rule, this, that, and third. They checked off all the boxes while just going. They ain't worried about the Rooney rule. They ain't worried about Tom Brady being retired. They ain't worried about Bruce Aaron's leaving. They ain't worried about some of their people on the roster leaving. They just kind of just chugging along, Chug, just chugging along. So, right right now, man, I just want to say, <laughs> And no, these are one of the questions you usually ask. Like, if this is a rapid, you'll be like, "What's your, what's one of your your favorite Bruce Arians moment? And right now, I would have to say it had to be that that crappy pull in the playoffs when he went and slapped the guy on the helmet while the game's going on. That's gonna be my number one Bruce Arians moment because I I felt like he was like this old man that lost his medicine for a minute and forgot where he was at. Like, I don't know what he was thinking about. But I felt like he lost, lost his mind for a minute, and even the player was surprised when he was. He was like, "What? What are you doing? Like, yo, get back over there, dude. What are you doing? Like, why are you touching me on the field?" And I, I still don't know why he, how he not, he he, he didn't get a penalty for that because the game was literally still going on. They was undoing a pile, and Bruce Aarons out here like the thirteen man on the field doing that mess. So yeah, Jay. That said, um, I, I like hey. I thought he was going to retire. He finally retired. When you know, semi, semi-retired, whatever. Going to the front office, Ty Bowles get his crack. Um, I would like to see because I haven't seen any announcements on who's going to take over as defense coordinator for him. Um, which would tell me that Brian Lewitz is going to stay in his spot. Um, so everything considered, man, hey, the Bucks y'all are looking top three in the NFC right now. What say you?
0: Yeah, I uh, I thought as, as soon as uh, Tom Brady uh, announced that he was coming out of coming back out of retirement after that short uh, that short little sabbatical, um, I thought instantly. Yeah, Tampa Bay's right back in the thick of things, just like they have been since Tom Brady arrived. Um, uh, Bruce Arians leaving the coaching ranks. Um, I think there there may be something to what you're saying about um, you know maybe he's a little. Um, you know a little too out of his depth a little bit you know some of these guys get older we definitely saw it with Tom Kaufman. just I mean you, you, it comes a point where you just you're you're so you're so far removed from you know the the lingo and the, the lifestyle of some of these guys that it's hard to you know get on the same page and maybe that's a little I, I can't I can't be critical of him and and, you know having a problem with Antonio Brown because God knows he ain't the first person to have a problem with Antonio Brown um now if you're talking now I get what you're saying you're talking about the way he handled it in the public a little back and forth I understand it but I also think that's I mean Bruce Arians is a different personality that's probably not the way most coaches would go about that but um you know the 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 Andrew Adams I think that's the guy who's slapping in the back of the head now I get all that that's you know, that's something probably, you know, 20, 30 years ago, wouldn't say nothing about In this day and age. Uh, we we have to uh, maybe launch a formal investigation. Uh, now, I, I do have to say, I find it somewhat interesting that we're just, um, we're moving up to the front office. I don't know exactly what he's going to do um, there, but I'm probably going to have a nice chair and uh, get, 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 hot, get, the, get a good hot coffee for him and going to be still wearing a little hat, uh, you know, like he likes to wear it at. Um, I don't know what he's going to do, though. It's just like one of them things like, like, um, all right, man, I'm leaving. uh, I'm done with coaching. Uh, Hit me up with the consultant job tomorrow, and I'll I'll be there bright and early for you. Uh, But I got to say, look, Todd Bowles, Todd Bowles is deserving of this. Um, When you talk about, you know, what discussions went in, I think they had – look, Bowles and Leftwich were, to me, and really, the past two off seasons, both of them, you know, were probably uh, hot commodities among, um, you know, pr- prospective head coaches. Somewhat, somewhat odd that um, they didn't get uh, they didn't get looks um, or didn't get a job before this. I kind of see it a little bit with Leftwich because Leftwich still, you know, he has that little bit of maybe, maybe just not yet. You'd like to see a little bit more. I'd like to see him um, post Tom Brady, but now we got to wait for that even longer. And I think I think Bowles is the guy to, you know, when you talk about win right now and keep the keep the kind of the line moving. And even though Ty Bowles, you know, you talk, I, talk, I said his record was 24 and 40. The Jets, they never I never looked at them, you know, as a complete joke, as I kind of do now, like it seemed like Bowles kind of hey, they, they still look like a professional outfit. I always thought they played hard for him. And um, I think that says a lot. I think Todd Bowles is going to get a lot out of this team. I think he'll get the most out of him. Uh, he he may uh, I don't I guess it remains to be seen about the defense. He may continue to call the defense. Um, so, you know the, the the thing I have to the thing I do have to say about it that I I think I really do I think the timing of this is a little odd. And what I'm talking about here is we know early this week we talked about these these Rooney Rule enhancements. And we look. You gotta have a minority, you know, uh, offensive assistant or whatever. But we know the whole look. The whole theme of this, the whole theme of the Brian Flores lawsuit, is we want, or the whole point of it, more minority head coaches. And I'm gonna say this about Bruce Arians. You can say whatever you want about Bruce Arians. The one thing it looks like Bruce Arians has kind of been at the forefront of is, um, a hey man. I don't think uh, he he seemed kind of proud. And not saying there's anything wrong, wrong with it at all. There's nothing, I mean, maybe that's the way to go. But he got two black uh, coordinators, seemed like, hey, I got, the, I got that flag, I'm talking it around. And I think he was also among the forefront of hiring women. And now we see women are at center stage in these enhancements or so they call them. So I, I say it's a little sketchy because it seemed almost somewhat convenient that about two or three days after the, these enhancements come down, that old Brucey Bruce, as you say, is you know what? I got something for you right now. I'll go ahead and take a promotion to the front office, and I'll you know I won't have to wear that little uh, whatever that uh, that heart monitor or whatever right. on my chest right. because my blood pressure will be a little bit down. I ain't dealing with all this crap on the sideline. And Ty Bowles, you take the job, and uh, we've automatically upped the percentage of black head coaches. Thank you very much. I am the most virtuous of them all. I'm just saying it sound a little sketchy to me. It's the, the timing don't seem quite right. Listen. And again, I'm not mad at it because Todd Bose deserves to be a head coach, but the timing's a little bit interesting.
1: All I'm saying is somebody got to do the dirty work. Hey, you know what I'm saying? Hey, he said, listen, I'm on out.
0: It's <laughs> but you know what? It's better than it's better than it's better than people like Steve Nash who jump the line completely, and then right after you get hired, they talk about yeah, man, I'm all about getting more minorities and head coaching jobs. Well, Bruce, are you really? Well, Bruce Arians, at least he come out here and set the example. I want more black head coaches. Oh, good. Well, I step aside. Not aside, I actually step up or not. But um, hey, you can have the big, you can have the big head set now.
1: <laughs> all right, so now, I know it's, it's been a little while, but we back, baby. Let's talk to some MLB. So, we, you know, we got somebody out here, you know, bringing up old stuff. I know you heard the saying, man, why are you bringing up old news? Well, Yankees GM Brian Cashman seems to be bringing up old news about 2017. He seems to um, feel some type of way about the Astros winning the championship during that year. we winning the World Series in 2017. And he said their actions were illegal and horrific. If you don't know what actions I mean, you know, it was like a little sign stealing thing and, you know, beating of trash cans and all that. Um, But I think he's taking it too far when he says the Yankees, the New York Yankees pinstripes are going through a drought because of something that happened five years ago. I don't know, it sounds a little iffy. What, What say you? Man, what a, what a world, like what
0: a world we live in where even like every, so many people, they just wanna, I'm personally, I'm all about like, you know, something don't go my way. Something happens to me. I am always, I tr- and I try to every time find a mirror and look at it and, t- you know, take inventory, take accountability and try to say, okay, what, what did I not do? I think that's first and foremost what anybody who, you know, has any ounce of pride in them should do is like, okay, this didn't go that way. What, what could I, what could I have done differently before you start, like fix yourself before you try to like, all of a sudden, like, all right, man, it was everybody over here, everybody over here. This, we got one thing we don't need more of, and I'm talking about society in general, not just in sports. We need less victims. Number one, we need less victims. Uh, Brian Cashman right here, you know, what an ironic name, because, you, you know, my little cheek dig at the beginning, you know, somebody with all the money. Not only is did the Yankees payroll always seem to be uh, in the top three of all the baseball, because this is a uh, this is a, the, the one sport that we cover that don't have a salary cap. So it's all dependent on the owners and the market. And we know look, this is New York. So we are here spending it. Um, and then your name is Cashman. So yeah, uh, that's that's almost too easy. So yeah, uh, if you listen, if Brian Cashman want to come out here five years later and do an interview and say, yeah man, yeah man, the Astros they out here cheating, and man, if they hadn't been, hey man, at least we did it the right way. We was out here doing it right. You know, that sounds like that dude um, from Kansas State, Bruce Bruce Weber, was about last month. He resigned from his job. And he's talking about, man, well, you know, I, I'm not caught up in the NCAA violations, all this. And he's like, at the same time, he's like, I hope somebody give me another job. When well, you resign, you need to get fired. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, um, you know, I, look, I'm not saying Brian Cashman ain't got, no, ain't got a right to be a little upset. Everybody was upset with the Houston Astros um, and their little uh, sign-stealing science, uh, scandal, which was led by Alex Cora, by the way, who immediately the next season, Scurried off up there to the Boston Red Sox, I and mean, it took a while, but he got suspended a year, and then immediately the next year, the Red Sox take him right back. So, you know, he probably feels some feels some type of way about that. By the way, that just every time I hear that phrase, it takes me back to the to the Mesa Verde when Dixon, remember when Terrence bumped that song like every day in the burthen, yeah. every single day. You know, it was that I think it was the anthem for us you, back there, I gotta you, tell you.
1: You, you, you but, remember that, um, huh? You remember
0: that? I it, huh? do, I do, yeah, <laughs> yeah, to this day. Um, but you know, it, Frank, I just don't wanna hear this. I don't wanna, and it's been five years, man. Like, if this was like right after the investigation and he comes out and he's like all up and on, like, yeah, this is some, some BS or whatever he wants to say. This is five years, this is three years after the investigation, this is five years after you know, the Astros actually uh, cheated. I just don't, to me, I think there's some, I think Brian Cashman, like as a, as somebody that works for the Yankees and a franchise that has 27 World Series titles, but which is by and large, I think it laps the field with everybody, with everybody else in Major League Baseball. They've only won one title since 2000. That was in 2009. They haven't been to the World Series Since 2009, and it's not like you look you look at them recently and say, "Well, that's understandable." They just just ain't have enough talent. No, no, no. There's never been a shortage of talent, and there ain't never been a shortage of money either. It's just a bunch of guys out there just not meeting expectations. And uh, you know, I just found it interesting that, you know, oh man, yeah, I'm getting tired of people telling us we ain't done something since 2009 because we had that one team in 2017. We made the ALCS, but you had that one team that cheated, and that really, that really hung us up. What about the other 20 years in the past 21 years? What do you have for that? Can we talk about those years? Do you have excuses for losing to the Red Sox in 2018? How about the Astros in 2019 when you lost four games to two and your closer gave up a game-winning home run to lose that series, and he was on the mound looking like a straight 2 with The dumbest grin I've ever seen on his face. You remember, I rolled this chapman just standing there, like, Yeah,
1: I didn't do that. Wait, 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 wait. wait. you, you said, throw him a high fastball. You, you said he was on the mall looking like a straight what?
0: Doofus. You heard it. Oh, doofus. he looked like a straight doofus up there, throwing a high fastball to Altuve. He cranks it. He just stand there looking up, looking goofy, like, Yeah, I can't believe he did that. Well, you should have read the scouting report, fool. And then so then you have, then you lose to the Rays in the wild card game, right? In 2020, or you lose, excuse me, the division series in 2020 in the uh, the COVID shortened year. The Rays payroll is like uh, what five percent of your payroll every single year, so that don't make no sense. And then you lose to the Red Sox in the wild card round, and that's only in the past five years when you've had you've had more than enough talent to get it done. So, and not only that, drink. It really gets on my nerves when people try to, you know, they speak from the moral high ground. But then you actually, you take a look around and you look at some of the guys that they've signed through the years and you look at all the guys that's been caught up in performance-enhancing drugs through the years. Oh, yeah, you had Roger Clemens. You had Andy Pettit. Oh, and you had Andy Rodriguez, one of the most disingenuous people I've ever seen. I get sick and tired of him on television all the time. Oh, Alex
1: Rodriguez.
0: Yeah, I'm talking about Alex Rodriguez. Yes, I am. Okay. It, it makes me so sick. The, the ESPN will be in there and be like, oh, yeah, you heard. Robinson Cano got suspended for the year for PEDs. And the, you got the um, commentators just out there, you know, beating him up for it. And then it's like, oh, well, let's go to A-Rod and get his thoughts. Oh, the same A-Rod that was using the same PEDs? Oh, stop it. I mean, so, again, Brian Cashman, you want to be all up in arms about the Astros cheating? That's fine. You've employed some cheaters in your day yourself. So don't act all holier than thou. Stop making excuses. Be better. And I'm telling you, if they don't get this act together soon, because look, I'm and I got it. It's hard to win championships in any sport. I get it. But it's the Yankees. It's no salary cap. They can spend all the money they want, and they just failed. They just failed. You can't win. You can't win 26 World Series. Uh, in what? Uh, I don't know. Whatever year? How many years? But you know, look in the. 1990s through 2000, I think it was 96 through 2000, you won four out of five years. And there's never been a significant talent drop-off. There's never been a significant loss of talent. You just, you you just failed. You just come up short time and time again. It's not just about one season. It's about all the seasons. Again, you ain't made the World Series t- since 2009. So don't act like one team, you know, messed it up for you one year. And then, oh, by the way, you also... Don't don't act like oh man yeah the Astros we we could have beat them well who's to say you so you thinking oh we beat the Astros and then it's a foregone conclusion that you beat the Dodgers in the World Series no it's not so what so what about that if you beat the Astros and then you lose to the Dodgers you think anybody's going to give a rip about that no
1: okay. that was a lot to unpack there people um, listen I, th- I think Brian Cashman is a a, a picture of what we are at today as a society, um, to what you said. It's a whole lot of blaming and victim victimizing. And, you know, I had this conversation with, with some people I work with, and I always say, you know, I try not to compare generations, but like, it seemed like every decade that passed by, we are getting... We stop taking ownership of what we do and we look to blame somebody else and we're look, we looking for a scapegoat a loophole or whatever the case might be. And that's what I'm hearing from Brian Cashman. The thing is this, when you're a powerful franchise and when you're a very, um, um, you know, wealthy franchise and, you know, you're, you're always at top of the league with money, you got loyal fans, you got, you know, when, when you're at the top of the mountain they always say heavy is the head that wear the crown right um The Yankees when it comes to MLB, they are that that heavy head that's wearing the crown right as far as money goes not championships but it, but when you're talking about payroll when you're talking about location when you're talking about um history, lore like that they're, they're the Dallas Cowboys of MLB that're the New York um, they're the New York Knicks. Or the MLB, or the Los Angeles Lakers, however you want to look at it, or the MLB. And I think now, since 2017, the fans are like, "Listen, bro, we don't give, we don't give a rip about the home run derby. Yeah, I don't give a, I don't give a damn how many home run Derby's Aaron Judge win. I don't care about that. We want championships. The the crazy thing about this is, so they mad." So 2017, you're mad with the Houston Astros because they were stealing signs and you lost. Then the very next year, you go to the NLDS and you lose, what, 3-1 to the Red Sox. Okay. Then the very next year, you're like, well, listen, that was just a rollover from 17. Okay, let me try one even better. 2019, you go to the, Champions, the, the NL Championship Series and you lose 4-2 to What do you know? That same team you're mad about stealing signs. But this time they did they wasn't stealing signs. They just was stealing your soul out of your chest because they beat you 4-2. All right, cool. in the 2020, you make it back to the, the, the divisional series and you lose to the Tampa Bay Rays. Hey, Jay, if you don't mind me asking, what do you know what's the average salary for the Tampa Bay Rays? Not off the
0: top of my head, but it is it is fractional. It is fractional compared to the Yankees. I, it, it's not fifty million dollars, and I want to say it's significantly lower than that.
1: Oh, what do you know? So you lose to a team that's a third of your roster. Okay, cool. And in twenty twenty one, you make it to the wild wild card, which is the one game playoff. Oh, what do you know? They got that team from two thousand eighteen, the Red Sox. Oh, okay. So what it seems like to me is, you, 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 you listen, you. It might be time for a change in regime. That's what it sounds like. Maybe you, Brian Cashman, you're not the guy to take them to the top of the mountain again. You, your, your rope might be gone now. Because no longer are the days of, hey, they just keep bringing in money, so we ain't worried about it. No, you're not the San Diego Padres. You don't get to just lose a whole lot as long as you're making a few bucks. You got to actually win, just like the Cowboys got to actually win, the Lakers got to actually win, the Knicks got to actually win, you know. Um, the, the, the Red Wings or whoever in hockey got to actually win, right? And I think that's what this is. This is a cry out now. Oh, they everybody coming at me, hey, it was 2017, mother, mother, lover, it's five years later, and I, I'm gonna be honest. I'm not even a big baseball guy, but I just hate to hear this old lackluster, wimpy, limp, bull crap dude over here blaming everybody, probably get paid $40 million a year or something as the GM because you're making so much money up there, ain't no telling how much money you make. And like, if you're in a sport that don't have a salary cap, what the F is the problem? What is the problem when you got the money that New York has? I hell, I'd rather hear more complaining from the Mets. At least the Mets can say, well, we would have a good team if New York wasn't like taking out, you know, kind of big brother in us and taking over everything in New York. At least they excuse to be a little bit le- legit. Because I can hear the, the Clippers saying it to the Lakers. You know, I can hear the Jets saying it to the Giants. Like it happens. I can hear that. But for what he's complaining about, Jay, I don't know. I don't watch enough baseball to know if this is a realistic complaint. But what I do know is this. It seems to me that the owners up there might need to start looking for somebody that's a little more baseball savvy instead of making the money. Because they made plenty of money. Plenty, plenty of cash. You can only uh, renovate the stadium so many times right? Like, you'd have made plenty of money, you'd put your luxury seats over here, you'd have done this, you'd have done that. Now it's time to bring in somebody that's going to actually win you some games and get you back to that level you once were back when this was America's favorite game with, with dudes with damn near smoking cigars while they playing the game, and all this other crap they was doing back in the day. So, yeah, man, it just sounds like the road is nearing the end for the GM Brian Cashman.
0: The other part of it is, real quick, like everybody was angry at the Astros and to, to a l- lesser extent, the Red Sox were caught up in this a little bit, I think, during their run with, oh, by the way, Alex Cora. But the thing about it is, stealing signs in baseball, everybody tries to steal signs, I believe. The problem is Houston, and I believe Boston, did it via electronic means. But to me, I think the whole the whole idea of stealing signs if I don't. I don't think you should be able to steal signs. Period. Or you should like try to do that. I think it goes against the spirit of the game. Um, but it's just it's just another one of those points to where everybody wants to you know stand on that uh, that moral pedestal like they are you know the most uh, moral you know holier than thou. As I said, but um, you know in in the grand scheme of things they're no better than nobody else because everybody's stealing signs, and I believe more teams are trying to push the envelope so they can get these types of advantages that the Astros ended up getting. All right, time for rapid reactions, a lot of topics. A little bit of time. Take it away, drink.
1: Let's roll, baby. The Golden State Warriors point guard guard Steph Curry will miss the remainder of the regular season with a sprained left foot. How concerned are you about the Warriors on a scale from 1 to 10?
0: Oh, I put, I put it at five. I put it right in the middle. Um, the good news is I think really the Phoenix Suns are the only team that's definitely better than Golden State at this point. But the bad news is I also think Golden State is, you know, at any given moment, one injury away from this, from their playoff hopes getting wrecked. Um, that appears to be kind of how fragile they are. If they can walk into playoffs healthy, they got good a chance. They got a great chance to get to the, um, the Western Conference Finals or, you know, it could be the semis right now. I think they fall into the fourth seed. But, um, you know, again, it's all predicated on health. Former Seahawks middle linebacker Bobby Wagner is standing in the NFC West and joining the defending champion Rams on a five-year deal worth $50 million. I think it's up to 65 with incentives. Does this make Seahawks Rams must-see TV this season?
1: Not necessarily. The Rams, maybe. I don't know about the Seahawks. We got to see. Like, who, who, who in the hell is the quarterback? Like, I think the Seahawks... Is going to have to be somewhat better than what they seem to look like on paper right now for this to be must-see. Now, will it be a storyline when they play twice a year? Absolutely. But must-see TV, we're going to need to see how to be a tad bit better before I slap that tag on them. The Los Angeles Dodgers have traded veteran outfielder A.J. Pollock to the Chicago White Sox in exchange for closer Craig Kimbrough. Who got the better of that trade?
0: Aj Pollock, he's cool and all. Um, really, real good outfit. I think it helps Chicago. But uh, the the Dodgers had a longtime closer Kenley Jansen. He signed with the Atlanta Braves, so they had a you know little bit of a need back there. And Ah uh, you know, he's been one of the best for most of his career. And um, you know, I think that'll be a pretty smooth transition. He's definitely uh, still throwing the ball at a very high level. Just days after St. Peter's Peacocks lost in the Elite Eight, Coach Shaheen Holloway was hired by his alma mater, uh, Seton Hall, where he holds the program record for assists. That's a pretty cool story, right, Drink?
1: Um, absolutely a pretty cool story. Hey, man, you know, shouts out to this guy. How, how about how his career did like, turned around after that nice deep run with this team? Um, I just show you, man, when you get an opportunity, you got to grab that joint and, you know, do what you got to do. I'm I'm happy for him, man. I'm really am. After 13 years in the NFL and two Super Bowl victories, safety, Malcolm Jenkins is retiring. What are your thoughts on his career, Jay? Uh
0: man, I, I think um one of the probably one of the better safeties uh during his career. I, I don't think he's quite hall of fame material, but I, I will I do think um I think it's possible Malcolm Jenkins, you can make a great argument that he's ring of fame material for both of the teams he played for. I think he meant a lot. To, to both the New Orleans Saints and the Philadelphia Eagles, won a championship with both. And um, yeah, I'd be I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, mention all the great work I think he's done um, in, in the community, in his communities over the years as well. Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson attempted to shut down recent speculation that he wants to leave Baltimore via Twitter when he said, I love my Ravens. I don't know who is putting that false narrative out that I'm having thoughts about leaving. Stop trying to read my mind. Drink, I'm, uh, I'm with Lamar. I see this is a fake story. What about you?
1: Yeah. I mean, like, what well, what what reason would he want to lead the Ravens? Like, I mean, what contract? I think they're gonna sign him a contract that just took care of the coach. I mean, listen, sometimes in the NFL, it's not just about your talent, it's about like your character and how the city embraces you. I mean, the city of Baltimore loves Lamar Jackson. They would love for him to you know perform better in the throwing game, but they love him too. So yeah, I, I think this is fake, man. I think this fake in a $3 bill, man. MLB umps will have on-field microphones this season to inform the crowd and television audience of the results of replay reviews. Was this necessary?
0: No, no, it's not necessarily. Sometimes you need sometimes you just need to leave stuff alone. And you can't tell me, "Oh, man, we really got to pick up the pace of the game," but then you're going to tell me, "Oh, now, now we want the ref, now we want the umpire to come out there and start talking. They ain't never done it before. Some of them, I've already seen reports like some of them are concerned about they're gonna have to be out there talking and all this. No, you just need to go over there, put on the headset, talk to the people in the, wherever New York or wherever the replay people are and then get off the, get off the, um, get off the headset and say either safe or out. That's all you need. This is, this is extra, we don't need it. Los Angeles Lakers big man Anthony Davis is questionable tonight versus the Pelicans. Does that make you feel any better about the Lakers?
1: No, unless Anthony Davis gonna come out here and drop fifty, give me give me a fifty and fifteen game, then I might feel better. Outside of that, no, um, no, nah. yeah, so no, I no, I don't feel any better at all, to be honest. But we'll see, man. It's better than him not being there, I guess. The Bucs have brought back veteran third-down back Giovanni Bernard on a one-year deal worth just over a million. Thumbs up a thumbs down?
0: Oh, man. Feels like a dollar store contract. You don't see many contracts that small. You know, I, I, I do like this. I give it a, I give it a thumbs up, and I, especially with the departure of Ronald Jones. You know, last year you had Fournette, you had Jones, you had Bernard. It felt like, you know, a little bit of a crowded backfield. So I like this. You got Fournette. He'll be the workhorse. But I think this will give Bernard more of an opportunity to get on the field, especially in passing situations. He should be able to develop a little bit better of a rhythm out there. Last one, Los Angeles Lakers superstar LeBron James announced he'll miss the rest of the season just because, and that we'll see him in the fall. Would you make of that shocking development?
1: Well, today is April 1st, so oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume, oh, by the way, He's questionable for tonight's game. so That's right. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) I'm going to assume that's just LeBron James using his big social media influence, his platform to, you know, make fun of what today represent. And he is still playing no plan this season. And from the looks of him and Anthony Davis might get some cooking to uh, get them, you know, rolling a little bit where we can actually think they might win a series in the playoffs. Michael Jordan would have never.
0: Anyway, that concludes tonight's Drink of Wisdom. As always, like, listen, share, subscribe. Thank you for joining us. I'm Jay J.Y.
1: And I'm Nathan Drinker. And remember, may tomorrow better than today, and may today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a Drink of Wisdom.